welcome to Ducks, Movies, and More. On this episode, we're talking about the movie Liar Liar. Conniving attorney Fletcher Reed is an ace in the courtroom, but his dishonesty and devotion to work ruin his relationships. His wife, Audrey, has left him for a more dependable man, and Fletcher often breaks the commitments he makes to his beloved son, Max. When Max wishes his dad would stop lying for 24 hours, Fletcher suddenly finds that on this day he can only speak the truth and his career deciding court case has to be won without lying welcome everybody to ducks movies and more i'm your host zach aka the duck if you already guessed it today we're talking about a movie liar liar released march 18 1997 directed by Tom Shadyak, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I've got Steven on here with me to talk about it today. How's it going, Steven? Hi, Duck fans. I'm Steven. I'm Zach's friend. So today we're talking about Liar Liar. Um, what do you think about this movie, Steven? We both went ahead and went and watched it before we're talking about it, so... Yeah, I saw this in 97 when, in the theaters when I was 14. Uh, it's really one of Jim Carrey's best. The, the humor, uh, you know, is not dated. You could show that to somebody today of age and they'd have a ball with it. Yeah, I mean, it's really good. I think it's a really good movie. Now, the director of this, he's done a lot of Jim Carrey movies at the time. He did. Uh, he also directed Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, 1994, uh, Bruce Almighty, 2003, and then he did some others. He did some stuff with. Uh, he directed Patch Adams, which you know the legendary Robin Williams, 1998, and he also did The Nutty Professor, 1996. Now this movie is starring Jim Carrey. Krista Allen, Jennifer Tilly, Justin Cooper, and a f- quite a few other uh, pretty good actors. Yeah, too uh, long of a list to really go through. Carrie Elwes is the other standout to me. Uh, he got famous from uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights and Princess Bride. He plays uh, Audrey's boyfriend. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. He was in Princess Bride. Yeah, he was in Princess Bride. Yeah, in my opinion, in this movie, they really, like, try to dull down his looks and make him look like Jim Carrey, but like a a nerdier uh, version of Jim Carrey's character in this movie, I should say. Yeah. 
So cast-wise, you've got, of course, you know, like Jennifer Tilly, which she is known for... Uh, Bride of Chucky. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say that. Yeah, I mean, Bride of Chucky, 98. And then I think she did some of the other Chucky movies uh, later on. There was a... Ba- uh, it's called Bound... Uh, it's like a heist kind of movie. Uh, it was written by the Wachowskis right before they did Matrix. And uh, I went into that movie basically just wanting to see uh, the lesbian scenes with her <laughs> and James uh, <laughs> Gershon. What's wrong with that? Yeah. And the story and the tension, and it really reminded me of how great the Wachowskis were as a duo and they're writing and they're pacing because I am not a big heist movies fan but man that one really the tension yeah because I'm there. assuming your friends are probably just telling you about the scene that's probably yeah. why you watched it that- well yeah and they were like nominated uh, for best kiss on the MTV movie awards I don't think they won uh, I was always more attracted to Gina Gershon than I was Jennifer Tilly but man Gina Gershon even in this movie has uh, like that porn star voice I wouldn't mind, you know, listening to <laughs> her read a book. Book to me. She's got one of those, you know, sexy voices that she could be reading from the phone book and you'd be like, oh yeah. <laughs> so, alright, so we got Jim Carrey, which the thing about this movie is, in my opinion, I mean, it's kind of a, more of a uh, movie surrounding the main character, which... I mean, most movies, you have your main character, but in this, it's pretty much kind of like, I kind of feel like the majority of it's almost like a, more of a one-man show with Carrie because it focuses on him, you know, because they lean on his ways of improvising. I mean, that's what Jim Carrey's known for. Absolutely. If, if he was not in this movie... Maybe Robin Williams at the time could have pulled off the character as well, but I think this movie was kind of specifically written with him in mind. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you were mentioning the history of him and the director. So Jim Carrey, he was 35 years old when this movie came out. He's currently 60 years old. Damn. Yeah, so... Carrey's 60. So that, that tells you, you know, time flies. The movie's an older movie. Uh, well, uh, and they make, uh, later on we'll talk about it, but they used to call him the rubber face on uh, in Living Color and stuff like that because he was famous for making those faces. And you really see that in the first Ace Ventura movie. And it's amazing that, you know, now that he's older, his face isn't all uh, more wrinkled and damaged than it is. Cause... Well, in Living Color, which made his name, me and Alex... And even Michael, I've had him on here. We've kind of broke the part where you're not supposed to spoil stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and talk about it because it, it takes us to the end of the movie. I'm not going to get in depth in it. But if anyone knows Jim Carrey's stuff, they know one of the characters he's known for playing on Living Color is Fire Marshal Bill. Very well known, yeah. comedic. You know, yeah, uh, and he held what I was talking about with the rubber face. Uh, yeah, he held that overbite the whole time he was Fire Marshal Bill. So that is not prosthetics, guys. So yeah, I mean, one of the 
things his character fire marshal bill a lot of people may not even know and i've known this probably since when i even first watched this movie because i think i got online and see it but at the end of this movie i'm not going to go into the actual scene i don't want to spoil it too much but at the end of this movie He's actually got, he puts a cameo of himself as Fire Marshal Bill in the background of the movie. And if you pay attention, it's only about five seconds long, but you see Fire Marshal Bill in the background, which is pretty cool. I think he decided to do that. But some of my favorite Jim Carrey movies, well, I mean, it's the few that he's probably mostly known for in film wise i mean if you take away the movie though i mean he's known for i mean he did a lot of stuff on living color i mean he even before movies i mean he was known for just comedy but you go into movies and you talk about uh the mask 1994 which how did you like did you like that one that's one of everyone's kind of favorites uh, that one would definitely be up there on my favorites list. Uh, and I'm in, the, I'm in the camp of Ace Ventura 2 is better than Ace Ventura 1. I agree. Uh, I like When Nature Calls a lot better than Pet Detective, which most people like Pet Detective more. Now that uh, I'm older, I do understand a lot of the adult humor more in the first one. Yeah. But I always like you got like the Truman Show. 98 and then you can't forget about the cable guy 96 uh that was a great movie with the uh, matthew broderick i saw that one again and uh we originally saw that in theaters again uh that one is just i don't know he's he was clearly a stalker uh character <laughs> when i saw it as an older man but now, probably one of the most known movies, when, when you think of Jim Carrey, I mean, everyone probably thinks of Dumb and Dumber. Because, I mean, Dumb and Dumber was, you know, one heck of a hit. Now, if we're just talking about this movie, the movie we're doing today that we're going to commentate, Liar Liar, it was a hit, a, a big hit. Um... Did you actually write down what the budget is and all that? Or no. no uh, I might have to look that up real quick. Uh, but I do know it made a lot of money. Now. Yeah, a uh, budget of $45 million. Box office bring home was $302.7 million. So yeah, big hit. Back then... It was, you know, basically decided uh, a movie being a hit if it made its more than its budget back. These days, a movie's got to make like double its budget back because uh, they spend so much on the digital advertising and such and promotions and, you know, paying the actors to appear. So, yeah, that was really big money for 97. Well, really big money, I mean, for any time period, but especially 97. Now, so far with this show, I have to admit, this is probably the first movie we've done that was actually made a lot of money. (laughs) Up until this point, all the ones I've done could probably not necessarily be considered the bomb category, 
but uh, definitely not the big hit category. So this is our first one doing where, you know, really uh, high up there in the ratings. Now, another fact about this movie, the film was actually dedicated to Jason Bernard, who played his last role in this film, because shortly after this film, this movie was filmed, he uh, died of a heart attack. Uh, Jim Carrey was paid $20 million for this film. So, 97, I mean, that's a pretty good payday. Uh, the script wasn't always about a lawyer. Fletcher was almost a politician or real estate agent. So, can you imagine how different the movie would have been if they, <laughs> uh, if they would have decided to go with that? It probably wouldn't have been as good if he were a, uh, a politician. Uh, real estate wasn't something that a lot of people knew about. It wasn't like every everybody's job or everybody's side hustle as it is today and it became in the 2000s. Uh, I think, you know, we do tend to think of law, uh, with law, if I said, you know, give me a job where uh, basically people are paid to lie and probably the first thing that comes to mind is lawyer, you know. Yeah, lawyer probably comes to my mind more than a politician does. Yeah, for sure. And there's more of them. Alright, so now let's go ahead and uh, open this up. And we'll go ahead and start it. And the credits are rolling. Uh, this intro with the kids talking about what their dad does reminds me of uh, the part in Kindergarten Cop where Arnold is uh, interviewing the kids and they're playing who is my daddy and what does he do. Uh, can't recommend Kindergarten Cop enough if y'all have not seen it. Yeah, Kindergarten Cop was another great movie. That's the thing about movies, there's so many of them out there, especially now. Especially with COVID. Yes. Things that uh, bunch of different production companies are making a lot more movies than they did at this time. So now we're going in it had that scene where uh, Max is talking to his teacher about his dad says that uh, he's a liar which he's trying to say lawyer and now you see uh, Fletcher Jim Carrey's character he uh walking out of the courthouse and you know this reporter comes up saying she wants an interview and he says well i gotta go uh see my kid and uh the uh reporter you know asks him for the interview so then he goes to the to do the interview so he's late to go see max his son yeah basically work always come for comes first it shows you how many uh, little white lies people tell every day, um, especially him. He's very much a glory hound. Yeah, no doubt about that. But no doubt work comes first over parenting and his relationship with both the kid and his ex-wife. Right away, uh, some of the casting in this movie it's like they were looking for a cheaper version of a higher paid actor. The, the way that 
this uh, his wife dresses and her, the way she has her hair reminds me of a uh, Jennifer Aniston, and I could see her in this role. Uh, she is also very uh, uh, funny and flirty and sassy with him at the same time. Yeah, so the girl playing his ex-wife, that is uh, the actress that's Mara Tierney. Probably not saying her name right, but I do that a lot. But she's been in, uh, she's been in a lot of stuff, a lot of small roles. Semi-Pro with Will Ferrell, 08. Uh, Mooseport, Welcome to Mooseport, 2004. So she's had a pretty good career. A lot of different movies. So uh, Fletcher gets home, or gets to his wife's house and gets out of his car and uh, goes to see Max, and then he does this uh, interesting thing that he calls the claw, which we go back to, you know, Jim Carrey, that's stuff like that's kind of a Jim Carrey thing, because all that's, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure that wasn't in the script. That was probably improvised by Carrey, I would assume. Could have been in the script, though, but more than likely was improvised. I mean, when it comes to that, he's a master of doing stuff like that. And uh, we're also introduced to uh, Carrey Elwes's character, uh, who uh, the wife is dating now and he, he's really trying to look like an uh, Jim Carrey w with his hair about the same shade, part of the same shade, even dressing very similarly. I believe he plays a doctor instead of a lawyer though. Yeah, he plays a doctor. I do know that. Um, which, if we talking about him just as an actor, of course, like we said, you know, he did Princess Bride, which, of course, really well known for that when he was younger. Yeah, he blends in very well, uh, no matter what he does. Uh, we're introduced to uh, one of the partners at the firm, uh, and later on, Fletcher refers to her as his boss, and this lady reminds me of, with the cheaper casting, what I was saying earlier, of a... a a Demi Moore. If Demi Moore were playing the lawyer boss in a movie. Yeah. Not that this lady is not, you know, incredibly hot in her own way. At this point, uh, Fletcher decides to take his son Max to the courthouse, to his office, to do a few things, and he's planning on taking him to wrestling. Or at least that's what he told him. Yeah. And we see a homeless man asking for change. Looks legit, he's dirty, you know, wearing rags. Fletcher, of course, turns him down. Uh, then we are introduced to his boss, Miranda, which what I was saying with the cheaper casting or possibly people playing a parody, she really reminds me in this movie of like if Demi Moore were playing a lawyer. Uh, the actress's name is Amanda Donahue, and surprisingly, she's English. You do not at all hear that and her voice in this and here is uh the comedian sherry o'terry as his secretary with the wild hairstyle which she ended up becoming a pretty big movie star in yeah. her own right yeah she was probably like this was probably one of the first 
movies she was in, even though this was like a cameo kind of role uh, outside of SNL. Uh, as Fletcher walks around, uh, we see all the again the, all the little white lies he tells to his coworkers every day at work. The intern with the huge pimple kind of looks like Fred Savage, but it's not. Uh, no, I'm trying to think of who that is. I know he's been in a lot of other stuff too, though. Not real, real big of an actor, though. And then you go to where he's going to his receptionist. Now, the lady that plays that character, that's Anne Haney. She played Mrs. Selner in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire with Robin Williams. That's where I think of when I think of her. And she's such an asset to him in this movie and very underappreciated. Like... She covers his tail with his mom on his cases, even buys a president a present for uh Jim Carrey's son. It's yeah. like she really holds his life together for him, yeah, but you, this is the beginning of where you kind of figure out that why the movie's called liar liar or yeah. you know why you under because he's he lies constantly. You've yeah. already caught him and you know, like, I don't know how many lies. He just did it again where he hands a present to uh, one of his bosses. Was it Miranda? And yeah. uh, he hands it to her when his receptionist just, you know, planned on giving it to him. Or, I think, a present for someone else that she was holding for him. It's, it's meant as, uh, since she's done such a great job, uh, she goes ahead and buys herself a present and, and with Jim Carrey's money yeah, and then he as a gives reward. It away. And then, yeah, he just gives it away to make himself look better. He, does, he really does not appreciate all the great people he has in his life, especially the secretary. And, you know, for all the stuff that goes down and... The wife has to cover for him with the son constantly. He doesn't appreciate her either. You know, you talk to anybody about their relationship with their baby's mother or something like that, or an ex-wife, and it's not. It's usually not as happy. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like when they film this, they make you want to kind of like hate the main character because he's. I mean, he comes off as a pompous, arrogant prick. Is the character Fletcher, basically. I mean, that's what his character starts off as. It's weird that they give him that first name. You don't hear that first name every day. No. At all. I don't think I've ever met a Fletcher. Maybe that, as a la somebody's last name. I mean, when yeah. I hear that, I guess it's because I'm such a movie geek and I think other uh, movies. Fletch, but when I, yeah, the, I, when the, I, when I hear movie. Fletcher, I think of Fletch. Which is, you know, a Chevy Chase. I've never movie. seen it before, but I think he's a spy in it. Yeah, he plays a spy, but the movie, the Fletch movies aren't really. It's kind of like a parody of a spy. Oh, like, like they, Naked Gun? Yeah, it's got that vibe. It's got that same vibe like Naked Gun has. Uh, so now we go into the next scene. 
where it goes to Max's mom, where she's uh, at dinner with her uh, boyfriend, where apparently he's moving to Boston to be a doctor at you know a hospital in Boston. Now he surprises her because he uh, says you know basically asks her to marry him and wants her and Max to come to Boston with him. Now it's kind of a shitty way to ask somebody to marry somebody because he doesn't even get on a knee or anything. Right, and uh, I believe uh, earlier they established that they'd only been dating like three months or something like that. Yeah, I don't... Well, no, I think she said like seven months. So... They've been dating a little while. That's still a lot to ask somebody to pack up and move because they're in Los Angeles and Boston would be, yeah, two different time zones. Yeah, that'd be a pretty good move. Big adjustment on everybody. Definitely. Here's another fun fact because we go back to him doing the scene with the claw. The claw scene. I actually looked up something on this. Where he's running after Max and he's like, oh, the claw, the claw is going to get you. Uh, according to an interview that Jim Carrey did, he says that the gag of Fletcher chasing his son as the claw was something Carrey's father did to him and his siblings. So mm-hmm. he did improvise that. That was actually something that happened to him. So I figured that came from him because it just. Okay. So now we're going into. The scene where uh, Fletcher, Jim Carrey, is uh, at his desk at home doing work, which you can tell that's all he does. He's a workaholic. He's he's still at work. His uh, boss, he told his boss Miranda uh, that he had time, you know, to knock it out, and she all of a sudden she brings him like three big filing cabinets worth of stuff three big like you would uh carry around your comic books in yeah and then that ruins him taking max to go see wrestling yeah which going to see wrestling in 97 would have been a lot huge, <laughs> huge yeah yeah uh, i mean that was they got a late 90s boom with the nwo and dx and everything that one heck of a wrestling match you wouldn't want to miss <laughs> You're talking about Macho Man. A lot of great performers back in those days. And uh, so they can't go wrestling and they go home. So it goes to where he's at home with Max and he gives Max a present for his birthday. But... The thing is, is that he didn't actually get the present. Of course, it goes back to his secretary, how she's basically managing his life for him, because she's the one that got the present. So all he had to do is give it to Max. So that goes in, you know, he lied again, saying, I got you this. He didn't even get it. And it goes to the next morning where uh, Max's mom comes to pick him up with... uh, her boyfriend, or guess I could say technically fiance now, or well, I don't know if she's actually told him yes or not to the proposal. But uh, he comes to Fletcher's apartment to 
pick Max up. And then uh, Fletcher is talking with Max's mom a little bit. About the birthday party. And yeah, she's saying she has something really big. She needs to talk to him. And that they'll talk tonight at Max's party. The something being that she's engaged now. Yeah. Again, uh, the wife gives him like this hot little stare. Yeah, because she knows that he probably won't show up. So now we go in and we meet Jennifer Tilly's character. Just Samantha Cole. Kind of her own type of piece of work on that character. Just as uh, bad as Fletcher's character, just in different ways. So she... uh, is talking to Fletcher and Miranda in their office because she's got a case where she's trying to settle her divorce where I guess uh, she signed a prenup but she's trying to get more money than what the prenup says because I guess her husband had a lot of money but she's uh, an adulterer or I mean she's cheated on him I guess seven times So it's not too much of a case in Fletcher's favor. Yeah, and at first she is willing to work with uh, her soon-to-be ex-husband about the custody and everything and give him what he wants. Uh, But it's Fletcher that convinces her that, you know, she really should hit him where it hurts, take all his money. And uh, they use a Tina Turner reference, and it, it reminds me of how she had... A small comeback in the late 90s uh, with the What's Love Got to Do With It movie first. And then uh, she did, uh, what was, the song's called Missing You, but it's, it's a cover song. Of course, we didn't realize that, most of us didn't realize that, that we're in our teens and younger uh in the late 90s that it was a cover but that one I think did make the top 10 her version of it made the top 10 yeah and then it goes to where they kind of end the conversation but then Samantha Cole she uh grabs Fletcher on the rear end before leaving and now we get into Fletcher and Miranda well she basically just starts seducing him pretty much so they have a conversation and, you know, kind of like, how would you like to make partner? Yeah, it, it really doesn't take much for uh, him to clear his whole night and you spend, you know. <laughs> when he's supposed to be at Max's birthday party. party. Yeah, and we're flashing between the two of them. We're seeing the party. The, the clown is lame. Max looks very uninvested. Uh the wife is again doing her best and ha- really has a lot on her plate right now. The, a- the actress's face really conveys that, you know, with the stress. And uh, Carrie Elwes is talking to her right now and trying to throw more her ways, acting like, you know, the trip, the, the whole Boston thing is going to be great. Yeah, trying to convince her to. Uh go to 
Boston with him pretty much. He, he sort of reminds me of those uh, old Jellin uh, commercials where like the guy's car got hit, but he always has this positive thing to say. Oh, I, you know, about the shoe the shoe insoles where they're Jellin. Yeah. So they they're having a conversation. And she's telling him about the claw and that they have this special thing going on. And then we go into the next big scene. Well, before that, though, it's when Fletcher calls and uh, says that he can't be there. Which is crazy because he can't be there because he's getting it on with his boss when he should have just left. Kind of. Definitely shows you the scumbag character they're trying to relay to yeah. the fans. At least he has the courtesy to call, but yeah, I mean, he could have easily spent an hour with his boss and then hit the party later. So but, now it goes to uh, Max. They want him to blow out his birthday candles. And you can tell he's really sad. And he says he promised he would be here. And his mom's like, I know, but he promises, you know, to pick you up from school tomorrow. Which he doesn't end up doing either, by the way. Another little spoiler, but... So now Max goes to blow out his candles. And in the scene, uh, it goes to where you just kind of hear his thoughts. And it goes, I wish that for only one day Dad couldn't tell a lie. And then the wind blows and it's kind of kind of magical feeling almost. So his uh, wish ends up coming true and, right when he blew out the candles. And the fact that, you know, that is kind of a silly way to set up you know, the main plot of the movie. But here right away the jokes are going to deliver. Like yeah, he's definitely. just waking up with Miranda and she's like, that was incredible. And she, she asks him, how was it for you? And he says, that was better. No, <laughs> he says, he, I've, he, had I've, better. I've had he better. Says, yeah. I've had better. <laughs> yeah. And she throws him out of the house <laughs> pretty much. Yes. Literally. And he wakes up and he's still thinking about, I've had, the, I've had better comment. It's like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> and he's laughing. He's like, I've yeah. had better. <laughs> I've had better. <laughs> so he... Brushing his teeth, still so, saying it. And and this is a good palate cleanse, so to say, from the sad moment of the kid, you know, at the birthday. We've all had those sad birthdays where something didn't work out and we're sad. And then, you know, we go into that I've had better joke followed up by this. I believe they even used to show this in the trailer for the movie where the, the there's a new girl at the yeah, office. And but well, he I'm, goes in the elevator yeah. with her. So he goes in the elevator with her, and uh, she's like, "Everybody's real <laughs> nice." And, it's, and he uh, says, "Probably because you got yeah, big, big jugs." Big, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this girl uh, does look like a, a Gina Gershon kind of girl with more boobs. Yeah, that girl that actually plays that. Is uh, her character's we, actually uh, we see the homeless man again, <laughs> yeah, 
But the character of that girl is actually Krista Allen, another good actress. But yeah, then we go to the homeless guy talking to Fletcher. You know, do you have some change? And he's like, sure do. And he's like, can you spare some? (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, He says, yes, but I'm not going to. It it goes into where... Yeah, he believes he's going to buy booze with it. Yeah, yeah, he goes to understand that he can't tell a lie. So you're starting to understand what's going on. Which was a great concept for a Jim Carrey yeah. movie. I mean, he you could yeah. tell he's just rolling with it. And with it. the jokes uh, delivering right away, it makes you forget about, oh, the, all this w- w- came as a result of a wish off a birthday cake. You know, <laughs> they were like one right after the other. The I've had better, the boob girl in the elevator, the homeless man. Yeah. I mean, it's just joke after joke. And then we go into uh, introducing more cast members. His his enemy, basically, in the courtroom. The the lawyer for the other, for the... um, Husband, yeah. Husband of the Samantha Cole case. Now, that actress is... uh, I just want to say we get like a little glimpse of the husband uh, right here. And uh, you see it later on uh, when he's hugging his children that he looks kind of like an older Jim Carrey. Um, including d- down to the way he dresses and the and the way he keeps his hair, and may- maybe that was one of the big turning points later on in the movie to where he decides to be a better person because he could see, you know, him not having custody of Max. Yeah, but this actress's name, I have, I'm never gonna be able to pronounce that one right. Uh, Swoozy Kurtz. So we'll go with that. She, uh, pretty well known. Just, you know, I actually, I remember her from the one, the movie that I think of. She played the mom in the remake in the Bubble Boy movie with, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. That's where I remember her from. She also had a big part. She did, uh, one of the, she was in Mike and Molly. And a few other sitcoms over the years, but another well-known actress. So then we go into uh, where she's talking to Fletcher, and uh, he's trying to talk about. He's trying to say something to her, but he can't lie. So so nothing will come out. So it. It's like uh, nothing will come out of his mouth except like funny noises, which Jim Carrey just rolls with that. I mean, that's half of his comedy. And he makes uh, the face with uh, the tongue down and only the top row of teeth showing just proof again the rubber face is coming out. Yeah. Uh, We're probably getting... And to the, the best parts of the movie where they're at court right here. Yeah, we're getting and it's into... just joke uh, after joke after joke. Now we uh, go into uh, the judge. 
because Fletcher wants a continuous continuance to uh, do court another day because he knows he can't lie. It's kind of hard for him to do his job. Uh, so the judge wants to have a good reason. The problem is he can't give him a good reason because he can't lie. And then at one point he goes, I can't lie. And then motion for continuance denied. And uh, she says, you know, they already offered to settle, but Miss Cole wouldn't settle. <laughs> so Fletcher at this point, he's like, settle, 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 settle. But Samantha Cole won't do it. And it's all because of the Tina Turner example that uh, he lied about and you know, try to push her off as the victim beforehand. Yeah, it's all because of Fletcher why she doesn't want to settle. <laughs> and you're just seeing, like, all Jim Carrey comedy here. I mean, he does yes. where he grabs his hair and pulls but, it and does a but, bunch of stupid, funny but, noises. Very uh, reminiscent of, like, the white devil haircut that they give him in When Nature Calls. Yeah, because I mean Jim Carrey, in a way, he kind of has his own style of comedy. I mean, there's a few other people. It's kind of <laughs> another great elevator scene just passed, uh, where everybody is like, "Oh my God, what the hell is that smell?" <laughs> and he's holding his breath not to talk, and he just lets out that it was him that farted in the elevator <laughs> so now everyone's talking to him at work and he can't help himself he just starts blurting out yeah the the, the people he sees every day like sherry o'terry with the wild haircut uh the heavyset guy the uh guy that he can't ever remember his name and then the intern with the pimple uh, this scene right here that we're coming up where he's talking to the pen and he tries to write lies made it on a few posters and I believe in the trailer. Uh, other people appreciate this scene more than I do. I, I think it's funny, but uh, the table scene coming up is much funnier to me. Yeah, but the, the pin scene is definitely one of those most recognizable scenes from the movie. Yes. Like, when when you think about the movie, that's probably one of the first scenes that comes to mind. Yeah, I think at one point uh, they had movie posters where uh, Jim Carrey was writing blue, uh, that had Jim Carrey's face with blue wrote all over it. But yeah, I mean, basically with the the blue pin scene, he's trying to say that the pin is red, but it won't let him do it. So he's just like, this pin is, and he makes funny noises and stuff, yeah. and then it cumulates to the end of the scene where he pops up from the desk and his secretary comes in and he's got, <laughs> he's got the word blue wrote all over his face. <laughs> because he says the goddamn pen is blue and I can't say it's red. Yeah, the idea is may he thinks maybe he can write lies, but that is not the case. He can't even write a lie. Yeah, I mean it's 
There's just so much comedy. After you get through like the first ten minutes of the movie, it just goes into a comedy fest, like bit after bit <laughs> after bit. And uh, she is going through uh, the daily people that always want to talk to him, like his mom. Uh, I don't know if this is the part, but there was like uh, somebody that he's helped out before in the past as a lawyer is calling again because he's committed the same damn crime and they're like oh he's knocked off another convenience store and he wants your legal advice and he shouts into the phone stop breaking the law asshole and he hangs up on <laughs> but you you know uh with what's established earlier in the movie he's such a grease a greasy lawyer that of course he would try to find a way out of it like maybe hey maybe I can write lies maybe I can ask somebody a, a question even if I know that they're lying yeah now I did just look up an interesting fact it's kinda I wanna go ahead and mention this before we get too far in and I forget about it but if you're going back to the wrestling comment now, when he was supposed to take Max to go see wrestling, of course, they were they were filming this, you know, around, you know, would have been mid to late 1996. So, if you pay attention, he mentions the wrestling match that he's taken uh, Max to, or was supposed to, is a steel cage match with uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage versus Rick Rude. Now... In real life, Rude would have actually already been retired. He retired about two years prior to that time period. Um, yeah, back or neck injury, I can't remember. But it was yeah, a he, back injury. He, uh, he, he was very young still. I'm assuming... Macho Man would have been working for WCW. Yeah, Macho Man would have been with WCW, but and I'm guessing when they wrote the script and everything, that just they probably the didn't names were big enough. Crossed their minds on. I didn't. Well, back then, if if a wrestler, even now, it's you know, when a wrestler retires, it's not necessarily advertised as, "Hey, this is the last match they're ever going to wrestle in." Rick Rude would have been in like a managerial role. Which I think he actually ended up... Did he end up ever actually coming back? I know he was planning on coming back, but I don't know if he ever did. No, uh, no. Rick Rude uh, was an NWO manager and, that, and a DX-like manager. And he famously uh, appeared on a... Uh, within the same night working for uh, both Raw or working for WWF and uh, WCW because Vince was paying him per appearance when he was with the NWO manager and uh, back then they were taping Raw and airing it on Monday and then WCW would be live so he appeared on Raw which is the WWF show uh, with his mustache and then he appeared on Nitro the same night, live on TV, without his mustache. Yeah. So, now, we're going back to 
this was where so Fletcher was supposed to pick Max up from school at this point but of course he forgot didn't do it as usual so he calls uh, I don't think he ever really planned on it you know yeah well you one can of tell those, all he yeah. cares about is his job yeah and work comes first I mean that's basically all he ever cares about and yeah. then she's dropping him off at school so she just dropped Max off at school and uh, this is the point where Max tells her that you know I guess my wish didn't come true I wish that dad couldn't lie and then it goes to where he's on the phone with Audrey and this is where he finds out that he made a wish this is also where he finds out though that she's agreed to marry uh, Carrie Elwes's character yeah, Jerry the character Jerry and he's like well you can't take Max I'll never see him and then he said well I'm coming over and we gotta talk uh, the table scene is coming up because he ran into his boss in the hallway. Yeah, now before we get to the oh, table scene now, it's is going... the traffic stop scene, which is, yeah, I would definitely rate above the pen scene. Yeah, because this one guy yells at him, road rage, and he's like, what's your problem? He's like, I'm an inconsiderate prick. He can't lie, so he's telling everybody. Officer kind of reminds me of Tackleberry in a police academy. Yeah, just the, got that persona. Just the look, yeah. And he he just asks him, uh, you know, why I pulled you over, and he, his answer is, you know, depends on how long you've been following you know I me. Mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's like, well, let's take it from the top, and he he spits out, you know. Spits uh, out everything he did real Change lanes while running the red light and speeding. And, it, and he's like, anything else? And he's he like, they have a bunch of unpaid <laughs> parking, parking tickets. tickets. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird. I feel like they added that in later because we'd never see, you know, his car with a parking ticket on. Maybe that was a deleted scene. We never see his car before that with a parking ticket that he doesn't care to pay. Yeah, they don't back up. Uh, normally with something like that they would kind of you know back yeah. up that logic make a reference to it at the beginning and yeah of but, course they impound the car uh, he's riding to Audrey's in a taxi doesn't really have time to explain anything to anybody now an interesting fact of this this comes from Jim Carrey's uh, improvising well I don't even know if this is improvising but in this scene where he gets out of the cab and he runs up to the house he wasn't actually supposed to trip it just happened and uh, they were gonna reshoot it but he said it was more accurate that Fletcher would be tripping all over the place while he was freaking out so they left it that's an interesting uh, fun fact so now he's trying to talk Audrey into uh, helping him go get his car while arguing with her about, you know, moving to Boston. He doesn't want her to move to Boston. And uh, you pause it right here. The yeah. fine uh, 
is $1,600 in LA. And if you consider all the parking tickets he had, plus all the fun that to do, and that is a, what is that, a Mercedes he's driving? It's yeah. like, man, that seems really cheap for 97 money. And the fact that his ex, of all people, is willing to write that check for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Jim Carrey's at the impound lot, Fletcher, and he gets his car back. And uh, then he sees there's a big scratch on the side of it. And he's like, he tells the guy, you scratched my car. And he tells the guy where. And he says, right there. So typical Jim Carrey fashion uh, comedy. But then he he can't lie or nothing. So he's talking about, you know, then I'd have to take you to small claims court. And then I ended up paying more money in the long run. And then he's just talking over himself. In the line, he said, eventually I'd have to bend over and take it in the tailpipe. So then Audrey's walking away and said, you know, I'm getting married. And they're there arguing. He's like, you can't take Max. And and I think this is the point where uh, she tells him that Max made uh, the wish... Or did she already tell him that? I think she did over the phone. Yeah. But this is the part where the truth comes out of his mouth, his own mouth and saying, I'm a bad father. And he says it over and over again. And he can and say it so he knows it's the truth. And for the first time in the movie, you don't see anger in his eyes. You don't see, you know, him being slimy. You... It, the way the music does it and the way it's shot, you just see the sadness that he realizes that he is a bad father at this point. Yeah, you definitely see that. It gets definitely more uh, in an emotional scene than just a comedy scene. He makes another plan. He says, you know, he'll be there around six. Now this time this is when she actually tells him that max made the wish it wasn't on the phone it was okay. actually right now so then he realized that's why he can't lie so then he ends up going to max's school because he wants to try and get max to redo the wish so he can uh lie again so he can finish his court case so he brings like a cake and has him make a wish, but it doesn't work because Max says, well, I don't mean it, you know, not like I did the other night. He says he can't do it because he knows it's a whole day that the wish is lasting, so he won't be able to lie again until like 8.15 at night because that's when he first made the wish. Uh, being a kid and teen in the 90s, I, do rem I don't remember this actor the, the kid plays Max. Uh, his name is Justin Cooper, but I do remember seeing him in other things, mainly like Dennis the Menace, uh, Full House. Apparently he was also in some Domino's pizza commercials. 
Yeah, he. I don't think he did a whole lot. Yeah, he was just one of those. But of course, like '90s actor, uh, '90s child actors that didn't go anywhere beyond that. Yeah, but I, I mean, of course, the Dennis the Menace that he was in was the sequel that they did. Now, so now he gets back to his office, and his secretary says uh, it's Skull. Now, the guy that plays Skull is actually the guy you see in the very opening scene. I think you only see him for like a split second when they're walking out of the courthouse in the opening scene. Oh, where he bought the guy that borrows the suit for a day? Yeah. At the courtroom? Okay. Now, there's an interesting fact on that because that guy that plays Skull is actually... It's Randall Craig Cobb, but the interesting fact on that is he's done other movies with Carrie, because if you remember, he actually played in the beginning of Ace Ventura Pet Detective, where he's the guy that smashes up uh, Ace's car, where he's, he's stealing oh, the dog yeah. back from him. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The girl's uh, ex-boyfriend or yeah. whatever. That, yeah. But another interesting fact. Might as well go ahead and throw this one in here before I forget. But, uh... And I, I think you somewhat referenced this earlier. And I don't know if it's because you even knew or you said he could play. But Robin Williams actually declined this role. This role. Oh, yeah. Um... Well, you need. I was thinking, you know, you would need a comedic actor that's not only like vocally funny, but uses the physical comedy too. And the only one of today's uh, actors that really does that uh, is uh, what's his name? And Kevin James. Yeah, Kevin James could do it, but this was kind of before his, uh, you know being more of a he was probably still on TV at this point in King of Queens yeah so if, if that was even out at the time it may have premiered in 97 that's but yeah Robin Williams did decline it and then I think Jim mm-hmm. Carrey was their second pick um that's that's interesting because I, I just feel like this this role was specifically written for him um well no, it actually says that uh, Steve Martin was also an option. No, he's too old. Um, I don't think it would have been as good. No. Because it, it, it would have been, Steve Martin kind of told a little bit different style of comedy. So it would have, uh, still would have been a great movie, but the character self Fletcher definitely would have been a lot different. The I think he would have looked, uh, too old in the role, especially uh, with his bigger hits in the '90s were like the Father of the Bride movies. Mm-hmm. That was he went gray very young, but the rest of him, you know, did, he did not get wrinkly or anything like that, yeah. uh, like Leslie Nielsen did. Yeah, he got gray pretty quick. So. And I just looked up another uh, interesting fact. 
thought I'd throw out there. We've already surpassed that scene, but when he got pulled over in the Mercedes, the car that they used for the movie actually didn't even have a glove box. So when they came up with that for the parking tickets, they had to borrow another car <laughs> to, for the parking How tickets. How does a Mercedes a, not have a glove so box? The, so the, the ticket Mercedes would, would be in a glove box. So I thought that was kind of funny. I it's thought weird it, that he hangs on to all those. Yeah, <laughs> most people are going to just throw them away. What they had to bring in a different greasy. model of yeah. Mercedes because it it didn't have a glove box. All right, so now he goes back to the office, and then you got the character Skull talking on the phone, which, and Carrie just gets mad and just raises the phone up to him, and he says, stop breaking the law, asshole. He hangs up on him, and which, you know, any greasy lawyer, yeah, they can keep you out of trouble for so long, but, uh, I mean... Breaking Bad's a good example of, like, towards the end, even Saul, with all his tactics, w could not keep Walter clear Yeah, for too much longer. Or himself. So now it gets into him he, talking with the... The secretary, Greta. Yeah who really he does not need to lose this alliance but now Miranda mm. is listening in and eavesdropping on them and she realizes that uh, she hears him talking saying you know that he can't lie and her being upset over the I've had better comment is going to lead to probably one of the funniest scenes in the movie the table scene and yeah, but before we get to the table scene, scene... Greta's seen cleaning out her desk. It's basically quit over... And she's trying to find some reason to stay. And she grabs this uh, photo with a frame that he claimed from was from Tiffany's. And, and it's actually from a garage sale. sale. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a... <laughs> yeah, probably right up there with the uh, Betty White flipping people off. It, it looks even funnier on an old lady. <laughs> Here, and he she, offers she her a raise, and he's like, I'll give you a raise. And he's talking on the phone to his mom, finally. And he can't lie, so he's just ruining that. He's like, all you want to talk about is dad's bowel movement. Uh. And he cut off the judge in the process of... <laughs> he, so he's hung up on his mom and the judge. And uh, then he goes and he tries to beg Greta. Now she brings up, you know, several years ago a burglar fell into my friend's house through a skylight. And they the burglar ended up suing her. Because and, he, he fell onto a kitchen knife that was just out on the counter... And then he admits that he says he that the burglar got six thousand dollars in a settlement, and he admits, "Oh, I would have gotten him ten. <laughs> I heard that that was based on an actual case. Uh, it it wouldn't surprise me. Definitely could have been some crazy stuff that happens. 
So here's Miranda, his boss, uh, talking to him about a big partner, uh, Mr. Allen, and we're leading into the table scene. Uh, Mr. Allen is uh, played by Elaine's boss from Seinfeld. I don't know the actor's name, but it sort of makes sense that he's, again, playing somebody else's boss in this movie. Good casting. Yeah, well, he, uh, that character's name. So that Mr. is Alan. Uh, Mitchell Ryan. Uh, he's the one playing Mr. Allen. In this very small role, because I believe this is the only time we see him outside of later on in the courtroom where he has no lines. Yeah, Mitchell Ryan. Uh, he actually passed away, actually, just a few months ago, a couple months ago, wow. March 4, 2022. Um, passed away in Los Angeles, but yeah, he was a well-decorated actor. Just had a small part in this film, but gosh, I mean, he was in all sorts of stuff. TV and movies. And she, Miranda asks him, you know, asks Fletcher what he thinks of him. And he just says all this horrible stuff. And then she she kind of screws him over and walks him into this table read. Full of higher-ups and people that, you know, he really does not want to piss off. Uh, and Miranda relate. says, Fletcher, what do you think of Mr. Allen? And he can't lie. And he calls him a pathetic bastard and a belligerent old fart, a worthless steaming pile of cow dung. Yes. And he's figuratively speaking. <laughs> now this could go one or two ways, but he ends up taking it as a joke. So he ends up laughing yeah, hysterically. He's going around uh, throwing out real insults to everybody. And of course, you know, everybody stops laughing when they're, they make fun of them, but they start laughing again when they're making fun of somebody else. And I remember seeing this in the theater that it was so funny that the audience, it was hard to hear all the jokes because the audience was laughing so much, especially where he pulls off the guy's fake hair piece and it sticks to the wall. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, but hearing this uh, uh, watching this again on Peacock uh, the laugh track was just so obvious yeah whereas I remember seeing this in the movie in the, uh, at Regal or one of those cinemas and it uh, just sounded like everybody at the table was legitimately laughing and they weren't playing a laugh track so now it goes to him back in court, and uh, <laughs> he's kind of slumped down in his chair, and then the judge comes in, and Jennifer Tilly comes in. Yeah, and they're starting to start back up the case. I remember she brings the kids to her trial, and he's not happy with that. And then he tries to object, <laughs> but he can't lie, so. 
And then uh, the judge wants, you know, Mr. Reed, you know, you can uh, proceed. And he's like, how? <laughs> trying to, I think he's trying to think of anything he can do to get out of it, but he, he can't, he can't do anything. The judge really puts up with a lot. Yeah. Him. Now, he talks to the judge into letting him have a bathroom break. Yeah. Now, this is when you get into probably one of the most notable scenes of the movie. Um, yeah. Where he's in the bathroom. And uh, he comes up with an idea. What What's his idea, Stephen? Yeah, uh, he starts banging his head against the wall and he... he uh decides that you know maybe if he hurts himself bad enough uh that he can get out of it and he'll get the continuance he wants and some random guy walks in and he's like what's going on and it's like i'm kicking my own ass <laughs> i'm kicking my own ass okay so now in the bathroom scene where he's basically kicking his ass his own ass beating himself up, running into the walls and punching himself and stuff. Oh, what the hell that was. Supernatural experience. That was a supernatural experience. Either that I got too much power running between all the stuff. So, now in the bathroom scene where he's beating himself up, he, uh, now... One thing about this scene is there was actually no sound effects that were used. Those are really the sounds of Jim Carrey's head slamming into the urinal floor and walls. So it's all done. It was all Jim Carrey. There are no actually sound effects being used, which is kind of odd because you think by watching it, you think there would be, but apparently there wasn't. So now he's... Uh, Beating himself up because he thinks he'll be able to get out of court by doing this. And he takes the toilet seat and he <laughs> sticks his head in the toilet and he hits himself with the toilet seat. Yeah, that looks like it would be more gross than violent. <laughs> <laughs> and for Jim Carrey, I mean, it's probably when you think of Liar Liar, you think of this scene. I mean... It would have been a heck... I bet it was hilarious to shoot, though. I can imagine the director and everybody... That and, fall right there in the bathroom reminded me of uh, how often in this movie he falls down with his feet up, kind of like Goofy or, cart or another cartoon character would. Yeah, definitely. And then he asked him, well, what did the guy look like that uh, beat you up? And he basically describes himself. <laughs> and then he says he wants to reschedule it. But then he says, unless you think you can proceed. <laughs> and he asks, can you? And uh, he says, yes. Mm-hmm. But they decide to take like a quick recess. And the judge, right before that, the judge, you know, probably says the nicest thing to him he did all day. 
And then he's sitting outside uh, the courthouse, and someone thinks he's the homeless guy now because they yeah. just gave him a the dollar. Torn, the torn clothes and the <laughs> wounds. And the, oh, well, those old cell phones where he had to pull out the antenna and then yep. flip the bottom down. At the time, though, that looked like that was a high dollar. Yeah. Yeah, especially with him being a high-priced lawyer. I mean, a lot of the other ones were a lot mm-hmm. bigger than that. Yeah. Kind of like mean, the cordless that Max is using right there. Another episode that I just got done recording, I did Black Dog, and that was actually filmed around the same time this movie was filmed, and the the cell phones they had in that were a lot bigger than that yeah. one. <laughs> My first cell phone ever was one of those Nokia bricks, and battery lasted like three days. Reception was not great. That one. Now, another... Uh, would have been the early 2000s. Yeah. Another interesting fact I thought I'd throw in here because we were talking about that. But Steve Martin was another candidate for this. Apparently he turned it down like Robin Williams turned it down. They offered it to him apparently. I guess Steve Martin turned it down uh, because he was already contracted on another film. Oh, Sergeant Bilko, yeah, yeah. Bilko, not That was based on an old uh, TV series. Yeah, Sergeant Bilko, 1996, so he was in the middle of filming that, so he wasn't able to do it. Now he realizes, uh, as he's talking to one of the men that Jennifer Tilly uh, cheated on her husband with, he knows that the answer is a lie, and he can't even ask the question if he knows the answer is a lie. He realizes. Yeah, he's trying. To, he don't know what he's gonna do. So now the judge asks him, you know, can you call your uh, next witness? And he says, respondent calls Kenneth Falk, which he knows he don't know what he's gonna do because he can't lie. But it's it's his client or his defendant that he's uh, going to talk to on the stand. And uh, the bailiff says, you know, raise your right hand. And he does the, you know, the has him swear to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. And of course... Uh, and I want to say, uh, I just did jury duty last year and it amazes me that uh, they still swear people in with the under God stuff. Yeah. And putting people's hand on a Bible still. And I really think that should stop. But So now we go to uh, Fletcher ends up saying, I, Honor, I object. But it, it's, his, it's his witness, so he can't, <laughs> can't really object. And this just goes over and over again where he uh, he's trying to figure out any way he can uh, win this case, which at this point he don't think that he can. They say he's battering the witness, and clearly he is. And it's his uh, witness. It's a lot of uh, physical comedy. <laughs> he makes the jokes, stuffing her like a Thanksgiving turkey and uh, acting it out. And then you know, the guy eventually snaps. With a, yeah, says, with a very yeah. emotional... Yeah, he's like, I humped her brains out. <laughs> and I have a feeling the original line was probably, I fucked her brains out, but... 
Uh, they wanted to keep cut. the PG. Yeah, they wanted to keep it PG-13 for a broader audience. The judge is really losing patience with Jim Carrey at this point. And then he asked the other lawyer if she had any questions. Of course, she don't because <laughs> Fletcher just <laughs> basically yeah. uh, did the work for yeah. dug his own grave. And the case is about to wrap up, and and then you have some funny physical uh, humor where I'm assuming Carrie probably uh, improvised that. Uh, it looks like he would. Yeah. Where he had like a piece of paper stuck to his head when he that, pops up. That looks like it would have made the bloopers but he just went with it and they kept it in. Uh, she reveals that she doesn't want to be a 31 year old uh, divorcee. But then because of that he realizes yeah and he, he realizes that she was underage when they got married. She lied about her age. So he's he, he knows how he can win the case without lying. And we see Miranda in the audience. And yeah, I just kind of see where the hair and makeup people were just trying to make her look with the way her bangs are and that way her eyes are. Just trying to make her look like Demi Moore and Disclosure possibly because that was a really popular movie at the time where Demi Moore is like a lawyer. Yeah. So Samantha Cole goes up to the stand. And this is probably the most confident we see Jim Carrey the whole case ever since he's realized he can't lie. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so basically what happens is, we'll skip through it a little bit until... Because it's mostly just the same, uh, he he finds out she lies about her weight and her height, on, which we all know on a driver's license, uh, I'm like 5'11", my driver's license said 6'2", for some reason, for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, what it culminates to, though, and what it gets to is, though, he proves that she was underage when they got married, and... In the state of California, if you're under age, you, you would need like the uh, you know parental consent from to sign a prenup. So when she signed the prenup, it's null and void because she was under age. Yeah, and so it basically makes the prenup useless. So, in this point, at that point, he wins the case because... And yeah, she's automatically entitled to everything she wanted. Automatically, yeah, because the prenup's no good. And then Jim Carrey, is Fletcher, you know, does the... That's yeah. the ball game, and he does some more... Showing you know, off the, the crowd, the, 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 the audience, or I, I believe they call it the galley in jury terms, or court terms uh, is you know excited over the win the comeback win is very bittersweet and whoa there goes Jennifer Tilly kissing him again and, <laughs> <laughs> yep so now they she gets half of all the marital assets but then the judge asks about the custody and uh have we reached agreement on joint custody? And Jennifer Tilly was Samantha Cole is being greedy, and she says she wants to contest, um, contest custody. 
And then Fletcher gets emotional because he's like, I thought you said he was a good father. And she said, so. And it makes him really upset. Because it was him that convinced her, you know, to drag him by the balls and take him for all he was worth. Uh-huh. And it, it's very bittersweet because, it's, yeah, it's great that he won, honestly. But you can see that the kids did not want to leave their father. They really don't want anything to do with her. And she doesn't seem to want anything to do with them either. Yeah. Other than for more money. And then Fletcher has a change of heart and goes up to the judge to uh, explain, you know, this was wrong. You know, I cheated the system. This was wrong. He's all, he's also finally offered the job he always wanted as partner at the firm right here. Uh, by Mr. Allen. So this is Mr. Allen's other big scene and he pulls his hand away. And then he makes the judge mad at this point because he's kind of contesting the judge's decision. And he gets real mad and then the court's over but at this point he gets he pisses the, judges off, the judge off so much that he... Uh, ends up in contempt of court and the bailiff takes him away and now this is a funny scene uh most one of the more notable jim carrey funny scenes is when the bailiff is taking him away he's like no i gotta go see max and he's i'm supposed to be jose canseco i'm supposed to be jose canseco and yelling and stuff and then they take him to jail and he says, you know, I get a phone call, I get a phone call. And then it leads up to uh, Max's mom and Max decided they're going to go to Boston. Yeah, uh, Greta comes back into the picture. They don't really explain why. Uh, well, she bails him out. Yeah, and she bails, him, she, she bails him out, but it's like what made her really... You know, the last time we saw her, she was packing her bags and wanted nothing to do with them. And other than if she heard that he had a change of conscience, it's like, why would she come back into the picture? In my opinion, you know, this, this last act is probably the weakest part of the movie. Yeah. There's still jokes, but it feels very rushed. And... He's talking to the bag guy, uh, the the baggage claim guy, and he's like, "Oh, you'll need an hour uh, to check in at least to get to the plane." And they're uh, as they're taking off right away, so he decides to sneak along the baggage runway. And you can tell this was before 9/11 because airport security isn't as tight. Yeah, definitely. You can really tell that the wife, uh, the ex-wife, is very fidgety about this decision she's having trouble opening the bag of peanuts and they just burst it everywhere and flew uh what do they call the flight attendant uh asked her if she wanted anything before takeoff and she's like anything alcoholic mm -hmm. <laughs> damn and then he hides How'd himself he... in a like ruffle a, bag yeah like a carry-on gym bag size there ain't no way he would have fit into that and then he gets uh out on the tarmac and he ends up stealing a uh it's like a 
a stair. Those like driving stairs that you people can board planes off of. Yeah. Now this is actually the second time that Jim Carrey has done a scene involving an airport chase. You got to remember, first and dumber, dumb and dumber. He was a limo driver by chasing uh, Mary Swanson all the way to the jetway and yeah. fell off. I think there's something like that in uh, Fun with Dick and Jane as well. I think so, yeah. So now he's driving these uh, this stair lift. And there ain't no way that little stair lift <laughs> could keep up with the jet plane. <laughs> no. Even just uh, taxiing yeah. through the, the runway, I don't think... <laughs> Because you, you know what, that, that thing probably has the top speed of like a forklift, maybe. <laughs> uh, and Jim Carrey would probably get blown off by all the air pressure. Yeah, by all the excess air yeah. coming out of the motor, I'm sure. We see Audrey drinking again as Jim Carrey is like looking through the windows trying to find them so we can see them off at least. And it's... This is when it gets into uh, uh, just more comedy. I mean, you see his uh, head starting to come up next to the plane. And <laughs> his head pops up next to the plane and uh, her fiancé is like Fletcher. And he's like, I don't want to talk about Fletcher. And he's like, no, Fletcher. <laughs> he's right up against the plane looking through the window and then he goes try and stop the plane they're all waving him off <laughs> he says wave at your dad <laughs> and then he comes up with a plan to try and stop the plane he takes his shoe off and he throws it and it hits the windshield of the to get the pilot's attention the and they decide that it's not safe to take off, basically. <laughs> yeah, he's pulling him over. He's like, pull uh, over! Why airport security isn't already on his ass is beyond me. <laughs> he said me. some idiot's out here on a chairlift. Yeah, stairlift. And then uh, Jim Carrey crashes the... It goes Stare flying. Into a barricade, yeah, and lands softly onto luggage, and more luggage gets dumped onto him. Ooh. That does look like a mannequin hand right there, but again, Jim Carrey showing off his rubber face. Is uh, did we pass the fire marshal bill part? Uh, hmm. not yet. No fire marshal okay. bill cameos right that, at the very end. That reminds end. me of uh, where he's got that overbite sticking out. But now it goes to uh, they're getting ready to put him in an ambulance. They got him on a stretcher, and now. You're coming up. Okay, right there it is. See him in the forehead? Yeah. Yeah, so you got like a really quick cameo of where he's playing Fire Marshal Bill in the background where he's just talking on a radio. There's no dialogue in that. And everybody's just walking by. Yeah, but yeah, you got Fire Marshal Bill right in the background there. So now uh, Max and... Uh, his mom, you know, she goes in to talk to Fletcher, and he says, uh, both my legs are broken, so they're not going to take me right to jail. He says his thinking's never been uh, clear. And you can tell at this point, it's his whole, he's completely changed. He's turned into a totally different person because of this experience. 
you know, he doesn't really necessarily care about his job anymore. He just wants his son. I think at this point, she's decided not to move to Boston. It kind of goes into like a heartfelt, emotional scene between Fletcher and his son. And, you know, he says, I love you more than anything in the world, Max. And uh, says, you know, I couldn't say it if it wasn't true. But then they figure out that it's actually past 8.15. So the curse is over. But it doesn't matter because you know he's actually telling the truth anyways. And I, I sort of wish that there was more to it. Because right after this scene, uh, you know, we don't see... I wish they would have showed like where he'd opened up his own firm with Greta, the secretary. Yeah. As we know, he's out of a job. He's in some legal trouble at this point, And he, he may even be disbarred for what he did at the airport. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> But now, uh, uh, she breaks up with, uh, Carrie Elwes, and he takes it very well. He just says, the door's always open if you change your mind. Yeah. I think he sort of knew it was coming, and that he was forcing a lot on him anyway. He's a good sport all throughout. So now Let's we see. go in to our actual ending scene. Which it says, it, it kind of puts something across the screen, screen, you know, one year later. So it goes to Max's next birthday. And it um, kind of looks like, you know, Fletcher and Max's mom are definitely on more of a uh, better terms. Yeah. They all look happy. And you can tell it's not like he just left work. He's not in a suit and tie. He's actually casually dressed. Yeah. Uh, and then he blows the candles out and they got the light off so it goes black. And then when he turns the light back on it goes to Fletcher and Max's mom actually kissing. So then Fletcher goes, Max, what was your wish? He asked if he, he wished that they would get back together. But no, he wished for rollerblades. So it just looks like... Uh, the kiss just kind of happened. So maybe uh, they got feelings for each other again and everything will work out. And then it ends with uh, the claw. You can't control the claw. I'm going to get you with the claw. And that's uh, your ending scene of the movie. And then it backs out showing the outside of the house. And then I believe this goes into somewhat of a blooper reel, which was yeah, it does. common for a lot of his movies. I think he insisted that, you know, be in the movies. We see him in the elevator girl again, and he, he just kind of cuddles her and acts like he's going to motorboat her. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all in all, for a comedy... Uh, Really, really good movie, actually, yeah. which, Stephen, I know you're the one that wanted to do this one, so. 
Yeah, and it, it disgusts me that, you know, every time we pause it, it says 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, which we all know those are not very trustworthy, but then they have 75% of the audience likes it, so the which that's what it means when you see the red uh, popcorn icon uh, tilted up. If it's like tipped over and green, uh, that means where they don't like it, but I would think that it would have more of like a 92% for the audience. Yeah. It's not like it has, you know, outdated racial humor in it or anything like that. So. To where it would affect the score. I just don't get, you know, the poor rating. And uh, it says it's got a run time. The movie's basically over other than the bloopers and the credits. And it says it has a run time of 120. Eight, six, twenty-four. Which you know, this thing flies by, especially the beginning. To me, uh, the last act at the airport does kind of drag out. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, all in all, I think it was a great movie. I'm glad we got to do a Jim yeah. Carrey movie. I'm oh. sure eventually I'll talk about more Jim Carrey movies in the future. Um, I'm glad we got to do one today, which is, is one of one of his more notable movies when you think about Jim Carrey. So absolutely, yeah. But it's basically outside of TV. You know, when people think Jim Carrey, I think they think Liar Liar, uh, especially us '90s kids and teens. We think Liar Liar, uh, the two Ace Venturas, The Mask. Dumb and Dumber, which uh, other people appreciate more than I do. I like Bruce Almighty as well, but that came out in the 2000s. Uh, uh, some of his later stuff, though, like I love, like Yes Man. I yes. enjoyed Yes Man. Yes Man's uh, very, very much like this one to me. But, but well, uh, just wanted to, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks, Stephen, for coming on. You know, I think we had a good time with yeah. this one. Oh, no problem, and yeah, this, this movie is, you know, one that you could show to somebody uh, today, uh, you know, younger or teens, or and they would get the humor. Yeah, most It really uh, stands the test of time. There's, aside from Tina Turner and uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, there's not a whole lot of dated references in it. Maybe Macho Man, but Macho I think... Macho Man, <laughs> yeah. There's not a whole lot of dated reference in it. This is in yeah, it. Yeah, it still stands up. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, 20-something years later, and it still stands up. Yeah. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Ducks, Movies, and More. Uh, had a lot of fun with Steven today. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening. This was Ducks, Movies, and More. Yeah, take care. Ducks, movies, and more.